From the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, this is the Entree Leadership Podcast, where I take calls from leaders and business owners and managers of like you about what it takes to win at any stage of business and leadership. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host with over 30 years of experience in the trenches, and I was in the trench today. Almost got stuck there. It could happen. You could be stuck in the trench. That'd be like a ditch. Yeah. Hey, say, hey, man, I'm in there fighting with you. I understand what it's like to run one of these deals, and we're here to help you. If you want to be part of it, just leave us a voicemail at 844-944-1070. We'll call you back, and you can ask your question here on the air. Or you can go to the website at entreeleadership.com slash ask, entreeleadership.com slash ask. Matt is in Dallas. Hey, Matt, welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast. Hey, Dave. I'm a weary warrior getting my butt kicked as a second-year business owner. Super thankful for your show. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, brother. Sorry about that, but I understand where you are. How can I help? Uh, So my wife and I own a staffing and recruiting franchise with eight team members. Uh, Last year, we did $1.2 million in top-line revenue. And my question is centered around accountability and building specifically my character of accountability. I'm a high IS and I can be a wuss when it comes to accountability. And so I admire your high D and I aspire to be more direct. What mindsets would you encourage an IS leader like myself? Uh, The weird thing is the highest, the most relational thing you can do is to be clear. And I, you know, I, I'm pretty, uh, crazy and boisterous and outgoing and whatever on the microphone. If I'm sitting with someone in person on a, a high conflict or an accountability situation, uh, I'm, I'm exactly the opposite. Everything slows way down and the voice, uh, volume drops way down and all of that. So, uh, that might, you know, in other words, I'm not, I'm not going to confront someone the way I would carry on here on the radio, right. Or here on the microphone, that kind of thing, uh, or hold somebody accountable, even if I'm not confronting them. But what, and, and so there's this, in other words, I've got a big heart for people. I love people. And early on in my career, I confused, uh, being nice. I thought I was being nice by not bringing up things. Mm-hmm. You relate to that? Yes. And yeah. I'm afraid of hurting feelings yeah. if I bring it up. And, 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 and in the South, it's like an art form to be passive aggressive, right? You know, we, we could bless your heart can mean I'm going to slit your throat, right? So, I mean, it's um, so we're in the name of being nice or being Christian or being sweet or whatever you want to call it, uh, I would avoid early on. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the confrontation or the accountability. And what I discovered was that over time, two things that were negative came out of that. One was that the person had no idea that they were doing something wrong. And so they kept doing it wrong. Well, Mm. duh, you know? And, And the second thing that happened was I got increasingly frustrated with them for something that they didn't even know they were doing. And it would finally reach a boiling point, and I would be going, well, I just, I just, I was just wish they would leave. I think I just need to fire them. And they, they're just walking around oblivious because I never bothered to give them the information. And so 
We developed a saying around Ramsey about that time, and it was mainly for me, but I've spread it all through our leadership training and through our leadership team, and that is to be unclear is to be unkind. It's not kind to someone. It's unkind to someone to not give them the opportunity to improve. You're not being nice to them. It's the, the paradox is you're actually doing the opposite of what you're trying to do. And that, that's what I finally realized. And when I realized that one, the nicest thing I can do, the most loving and kind thing I can do is to tell someone the truth. Now, I don't, again, we don't have to do that in a mean tone. We don't have to do that in a bombastic, crazy man way, like you hear me carrying on sometimes on a microphone. That's just me having fun and entertaining and all that kind of stuff. But it, I'm talking about one-on-one me sitting with someone I care about, the most loving thing I can do is help them improve. Mm. Because A, I don't get frustrated with them. B, they improve. Hello. Everybody's happier. And and that's on me to then stiffen my... It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's almost the same riff in the intellect, in your mind, as dealing with an enabler, Okay. When someone is an enabler, the person who gives a drunk a drink, the person who, the helicopter parent who comes in and saves their kid all the time, every time they misbehave, whatever. If you're an enabler, enablers, if you sit and talk to them, are the nicest people. But the paradox is that they're actually being incredibly unkind. They're being not nice because they're causing the drunk to get a drink. They're causing the lazy to never get a job. They're causing the, you know, they're not helping by covering and glossing over these shortcomings, but they feel like they are. And honestly, they are very sweet people and they think they're being nice. And the irony is they're some of the meanest people on the planet, but they don't intend to be because they don't love people enough to help them on their journey. Mm. And once I got that mindset for me, I became a, Con, I mean, I became a, a, an accountable fiend. I'm like, okay, let's both agree. That number one, we both need to have a real clear agreement with a KRA, a key results area. And if you're an entree leadership elite, they'll show you how to put those together. Okay. That's like a job description. Okay. This is what winning looks like. If you do these three things in your job, you are by definition winning. Okay. Now we've got something to hold accountable to. It's not vague. It's very specific and very precise. And then you sit down with them at the, at the day they start at the business. This is what you may help may develop the KRA with them, or you may have develop it and hand it to them. I don't care. I prefer to do it with them so that they've got some input. This is what winning looks like at your job. If you do these three things, we're going to say touchdown. You're winning the Super Bowl, right? If you do this stuff, you're on track. If you don't do this stuff, by definition, you're not winning. Whatever the reason you didn't do it, you're not winning because this is why we hired you, to do this stuff. And so once you lay that out in day one or two, then when they're not doing the stuff, you just sit down in the private office, not in front of a bunch of people, and say, hey, uh, wait a minute. You remember when we talked about this? This is the stuff you do to win. You're not doing this stuff. What's up? How can I help? Why are you not doing this stuff? You're a salesperson. You're supposed to make 60 calls a week. You're making five. What are you doing? Playing on Facebook? I mean, come on. This, your kids are going to be skinny, dude. You're on commission. This is not going to work for you. 
and you just lovingly you have a conversation with it, but you got to have a real clear target of what winning is and then have, and, and then the last thing I'll tell you is a first thing is it's not nice to not, it's, you're, it's not a loving act. If you really love your people, you, you lead them and you tell them and you lift them. The second thing is have a very clear target. And the third thing is increase the frequency of these conversations. Don't wait mm. until the thing is, don't wait until they're all the way 200 miles off target. Wait until they're 20 feet off target. And it's easier to course correct 20 feet than it is 200 miles. So increase the frequency of this discussion until the, 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 the people I don't have discussions with are people I've worked with for 10 years. But in the early days, I cram a whole lot of discussions in the early parts of the process and go, no, we're not doing that. No, we're not doing that. No, we're not doing that. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. And we kind of get all in the same rhythm and on the same page with lots of little micro course corrections rather than this oversteering the car and flipping it thing. Because that's what happened to me before. I would wait until I was frustrated and going, what are you, lost your mind? And they're going, I didn't know it was wrong. I'm going, you're out of your, you're just, and they're going, what is wrong? Because they had no idea. All of these conversations have been building up in my head, but not in theirs. They didn't, still didn't know anything was wrong because I was so nice that I never told them. And it wasn't nice at all. I love this discussion, Matt. I love your question. You're a great leader to ask the question. And you got to write the right size team to do this with, with eight people. You get the rhythm of this going and make it part of your culture going forward as you move from you're probably sitting at the Pathfinder stage, it sounds like, and as you move up to the next level to Trailblazer stage, I think you're going to see that this becomes part of the rhythm and people are going to repeat some of the things we talked about through the culture for the rest of the time. Ours is to be unclear, is to be unkind. And that's the thing you got to look at there. So very cool stuff. Hey, I did it too. And, uh, and you know... And I'm the guy who tells everybody the truth really loud on the radio, you know. But in person, it's a completely different thing. Most of the time. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Trainual. Even when you're great at running the day-to-day, a lot of leaders struggle to delegate. But delegation is a critical leadership skill, and empowering your team by building that skill just takes having the right system in place. Well, Trainual is that system, and it's a game changer. Trainual is an easy-to-use app that helps document and organize everything about your company in one place. Clear outlines for every role and responsibility, step-by-step training for all your SOPs and employee handbook content, an org chart and directory. You can build accountability tests. Employees can even use Trainual's powerful search to answer their own questions. Companies using Trainual are cutting training time and related costs by up to 75%. Get started with over 300 templates and their world-class support. It's time to get your entire team playing from the same playbook. Visit Trainual.com slash Entree today for a demo and get 15% off your first year with code Entree15. That's 15% off at T-R-A-I-N-U-A-L dot com slash Entree with code E-N-T-R-E-1-5. Thanks for joining us on the Entree Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Ramsey. Real business leaders taking calls from real business leaders about real business situations. 
If you want to have a think tank and discuss theory, you should choose a different podcast. This is practical. We teach you how to get up, leave the cave, kill something, and drag it home, because we do it every day. Got to make payroll Friday, boys and girls. That requires revenue. This is how it works. The number, if you want to participate, is 844-944-1070. And leave a voicemail there. We'll make you a caller here, and you can be part of this program. Cynthia is in Denver. Hey, Cynthia, welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you taking my call. Sure. Um, I am the CFO and COO of a SaaS tech company in the commercial airline space. We have three executives and 11 full-time and part-time employees. This year, we're clear about $1.5 million in gross revenue. Next year, we're about going to double that. Wow. We're starting to have... Yeah, we're starting to have, yeah, thank you. We're starting to have conversations about selling this business. Um, So I've started formalizing our forecasting and budgeting process so that we can communicate our numbers really clearly to brokers and potential buyers. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure if I should be keeping the forecast because usually what I'm doing is I have a spreadsheet where I have the forecast and then I do the budget to actuals every month in that same sheet. And it occurred to me, should I be keeping the forecast like, is there, is there some value in that to show, like, how good are we at forecasting to potential buyer? Yeah, I, I would think. Um, I mean, if you're hitting your forecasts, they're valuable. If yeah. they're not, they're not. The, if you're not, they're probably not part of the package you're handing out. You're handing out the actual numbers. Yeah. Um, but uh, we look at it for... Uh, different reasons, but we keep all of ours, um, and say, okay, you know, and, and the, the question we're asking is much more primitive. We're just going, how, how bad do we suck at budgeting? You know, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, cause like, God, we never hit that. You're always over. Uh, We're always under that department's always sandbagging. That one's always overly optimistic. And, you know, mm. and we look at it from that to try to gauge the, the confidence factor of next year's budget, um, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing. But that's a little different motivation. But in this case, you would show that, okay, yeah, we're on this hockey stick ride up and to the right with the revenues, and we knew it was going to happen. And so you can you can reasonably project because we have. That's yeah. a good selling point, I would think, to a, to a buyer. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I, I, cause if you're I missing the stuff by double, numbers, though, I mean, if you're in a real heavy growth thing and you're missing your expenses or, or something by double, that's going to indicate lack of competence and lack of confidence in your numbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. That totally makes sense. Okay. Yeah, most of the time we end up way above our projections. Like, uh, you know, our, our uh, expense margin has gone from when we started the business about 25% to Right now, our expenses are like 12% of the total business. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, but you got so, some fixed costs that are just being amortized across a lot larger number of trips. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. And so my thought about, the reason I started thinking about this is I was like, for the point you just made, does it make it more valuable if I can show you when we onboard a new airline, this is what the growth looks like and this is the this is the resulting growth and, you know, like increase in expenses to support that business. I wouldn't yeah, I personally, if, if, if I were buying it, I wouldn't give you value for that, but okay. I, but it would make it more attractive. Okay. Because okay. I, I can see that I might be able to do that, but I wouldn't be willing to pay you a multiple of money you've not yet made. Right. 
Right, 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 right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I guess it's it, to your point, it's more like we know our business really well, and this is what you can expect from a growth rate. We've proven it over time. We've proven that this is what this looks like. Yeah. And we have those those historical yeah, uh, the marketplace to kind of show you. Our market share can increase at this for not not in, not at not to infinity, but it you know there's a lot yeah. more room for this brand yep. penetration to continue at this level and the resulting revenue. Yeah, I think that's yeah. all. That's all stuff you could talk about. But that just makes me want to buy it versus I'm buying a business in an industry that's that's kind of going wah wah wah. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know. But I also don't want to buy somebody's numbers that sold plexiglass during COVID. Right. Those are artificial. Right, right, That's right. an anomaly. Those are artificial numbers. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So I'm okay, trying cool. to, that's what I'm trying to ascertain. But I think if you can show, A, that there's room in the marketplace for this, there's room yep. for this brand to expand further, and here's what we've been able to do, and that's an indicator of that, then that yep. makes it more attractive. But again, some people will pay for that. I was, look, I was looking at a deal the other day that some friends of mine were looking at, and these Coopers, you know, they ran a present value out 15, I mean, net present value out 15 years. And I'm like, I'm not paying you out 15 years of growth. That's why I'm buying it. I'm paying you on what you've done so far, a multiple of what you've actually done, not what you're dreaming about. Um, but these guys were looking at it. They were willing to do that. And I'm not in that deal. I was just looking at it, kind of rolling my eyes at them. But yeah, but you know, I don't know what business you can project out 15 years with the rate of change in the business world today. I mean, and, and claim accuracy. That, that's absurd. But, but I do think it makes it more attractive, and I like what you're doing there. You're, you've got a really good mind, and the way you're viewing this, your critical thinking skills, I think, are incredible on it. Um, and I think they're lucky to have you sitting in that numbers cruncher role right there. They need you. Yeah, you're, you're, you're amazing. Good job. Very good job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being part of the Entree Leadership Podcast. Well, as a business owner, do you ever feel like you're herding cats? Like your team is great, but everybody's running around doing their own thing and nothing feels aligned? Well, that could put you at the Pathfinder stage of the Entree Leadership Five Stages of Business, where chaos is winning and you want a systems solution. At Digital Membership at Entree Leadership Elite, you will get customized action plans to help you solve the key challenges you face at any stage, including this Pathfinder stage. So once and for all, you can get all the ducks in a row, all the cats lined up, whatever we're, whatever mixed metaphor we're going to use here, right? So everybody's on the same page. We got all these metaphors, all these liners we use. But yeah, don't worry. If you're not in the Pathfinder stage, we can help you in whatever stage of business you're in with unique tools video courses, live coaching webinars, all designed to help you grow the business the Ramsey way, the way we've done this with Entree Leadership Elite. Hey, it's $250 a month, which is a deal. Now, listen, if you got no employees and you wish you had a business, this is probably not for you. If you got five or 10 employees up to about 200, we can show you how to go better and go faster. This is for you. And, and uh, you can buy it if you want to. We'll, ta we'll take your money. But honestly, I'm telling you, what's in there is for companies of 5 to 200. That's what's in there. You got 10,000 employees. I've never had 10,000 employees. I'm not sure I got anything to tell you. I got ideas, but I promise you. But I, I can tell you how to run a 200-person company. I've done it for 30 years. So I got 1,100 now. So anyway, 
Ike is next. Ike is in Houston, Texas. Hey, Ike, how can we help? Hey, Dave. It's so great to talk with you. I, I look up to you so much in entree leadership and in personal finance and uh, or, you know, with debt-free on our personal side and, and our business side. Uh, my name is Ike. I, I have a flower farm in Houston. Uh, we have eight employees. Uh, last year, we did a top line of a little over a million, and uh, we're a, a B2B business. And I, you know, I'm the owner. I started this business uh, from the ground up. Uh, my role is to get sales, to deliver, and to do some production, and then my team does the rest of the production on the back end. And um, you know, my question. T- tell me again what you is, said. You you have a what farm? A flower farm. Flowers. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yes, we're, we we supply restaurants and hotels. And you did a million too. We did in yes. flowers. Wow. Yes. That's a lot of flowers. Yes. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, I go out and get new accounts. I love sales, you know, because it's my business, and, and I just I love the sale process. I have a heart when when I lose an account and it happens, I take it really personally, and um, it's mainly because it's I know it affects my bottom line, and and there's so much at stake with making sure to make payroll and bills, and and you know where we have no debt and we save a lot um, of money. I just take it so personally, psychologically. And I, I mean, I know I can just turn on the faucet and get more accounts, but I'm trying to figure out how to deal um, with the emotional loss. And yeah. I wanted to know, in your experience, how you've dealt with that. Uh, the more of it I've done, the more I realize that single account doesn't matter as much as I thought it did. Okay. And so it gets better with time. The more of them you lose, the tougher you get. But it's not really just toughness. It's more of a recognition that, because part of what you mean, like I remember the first time some that we had like ten people, and the first guy ever quit, and that was like, why don't you want to work here? You don't like me? You're the you know, and he wasn't even that good of an employee. But it, it just it it just the I would have been a lot better off if I fired him. But but it just you know. But he, he, it really hurt my feelings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, yeah. and now, you know, I mean, we got 1,100 people. We might have 10 quit in one day. I don't know. You know? And, and I'm like, I don't, okay. Like, we're not, like, I'm not going to quit. So I guess we're going to keep going. You know, it's like, whatever. And, and you know, and I fi- figured out that each time someone left, even if it was someone I loved and I, and I usually, or, and had a close personal relationship with, each time they left, I thought that was going to be the end of the world. It turned out not to be the end of the world. And I can still love them when they are friends and they work somewhere else. I ran into some people the other night that used to work here and were, I just love them. Gave them a big hug and bought their dinner. And, you know, that kind of, I, I still like them, you know, I'm not mad at them, but the, the thing, same is true with a customer, um, is I, Do you I analyze the loss. Yeah, definitely. I definitely CSI it. I analyze it today if someone that I'm close to quits here or if we lose a customer here. Um, you know, we got 680 radio stations. When we had 50 and one of them quit, I was ready to go burn down the, their station. You know, I mean, I was like, you know, it hurt. You know, I, I, was, I was like personally mad. And, um, but, but now that I got 680, I don't even know that all, I used to know all the call letters, I used to know the wattage. You know, everything on every single radio station. I don't know any of them anymore, hardly, because I've been, like, in certain cities. I mean, your city, Houston, I've been on five different radio stations there So yeah. in, in 30 years. So I don't even know if I'm on right now. I couldn't tell you. So, uh, yeah. 
You know, that that's kind of what it comes down to. But the reason is I got 680. I don't have six. Sure. And I don't have sure. 10 employees and I lost one. I got 1100 and I've got 30 years of that person left and it hurt my feelings and I thought it was scared and it scared me a little bit. And I was kind of at the, uh, and I thought it was the end of the world and it turned out to not even be a memory. I don't even remember it now. Years later. Do do analyze, if you lose an account to a competitor, do you analyze the competitor? I, I find if I analyze the competitor, it, it, it spins me in this negative mode. Um, and, and it's not a good feeling. And I, how do you deal with that when you lose to a competitor That's a really good versus question. inflation versus, you know, uh, on the outside? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I want to, but I want to do it more dispassionately than you're doing. I don't want to spin out over it. You're spinning out is what you're telling me. Um, but you know, it's okay. If you, if you get beat in a football game, you should watch the game film. Yeah. You know, Hey George, you missed the block over there, man. And the quarterback got creamed because you were mailing it in, you know, and that's what a coach says. Right. And George is like, yeah. And all the guys are hitting George, making fun of him. Hey George, you mailed it in on that one, you know, and next time George ain't going to mail it in. Right. So, you know, that's what you watch game film for is to do course correction, but you don't watch game film to discover we're a bunch of losers. We're never going to win a game. We suck. And they're so good. And that's not, that's spinning out. But we watch game okay. film to figure out what we can do better, and then we move on to the next game, and we don't camp on it, and we don't spin out on it, and it's not a, it's not an identity. We're not changing our identity. We're still who we are. We're still a flower shop that does a flower farm that does incredible volume. We're still excellent at what we do, and we got beat on that account. But I'll never get beat that way again. I'll get beat another way, but I won't lose one because of that again. Or sometimes you go, hey, we lost that account for good reasons because of who we are. And we were standing on principle and we wouldn't acquiesce to some of their bull crap. And so they went over to somebody who would put up with their stuff. And hey, that's a good loss. I'll take that one. Do you ever ever analyze or, or, or emotionally analyze losing an account? due to the competitor having much lower prices? Oh, sure. Sure. That's an example of I'm proud to let them go. Okay. Because, I'm, I mean, hey, Costco sells flowers cheaper than you do. Yeah. Yeah. And if the stupid, if the stupid uh, restaurant wants to go over at Costco, then they're not your customer. Mm-hmm. That's not who you serve. If you're trying to compete with Costco, you're out of business, Tyler. Yeah. You're not. The Costco customer needs to go to Costco. That's what they're for. And I like Costco. They're a customer of mine, and I'm a customer of theirs. I'm not mad at them. I'm just saying, you know, that, that if that's if that's what if that's the market you're in, but you're fine French wine. You're not box wine. You're gonna yeah. get beat on price. Good, but don't. You're not gonna beat me on quality, and you're sure not gonna beat me on the quality of the people that work in our organization, and you're sure not going to beat me on integrity, and you're sure not going to beat me on customer service. I'll kick your butt on all of those, but you, you if you want to race to the bottom on price, hey, I'll see you down. You, I'll just stand back here and watch you hit the manure pile. 
Yeah, but we, you know, we, we believe in that too, um, not to lower our prices. It's the same amount of work. No, I'm not. Same amount of overhead. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of what we charge because everyone makes a multiple on what we teach them. Mm-hmm. You it's al- true. You always, we just you know, signed up for Elite. We just signed up for coaching. Yeah. And, and it, the coaching starts this week, and the Elite, the, the employee surveys have been so beneficial for us. Yeah. They really have. Oh, yeah. Great and you haven't even paid anything yet. <laughs> so I'm definitely worth that, coaching, dude. Uh, hey, man, you're going to be fine. I, I Here's the thing. You never want to reach the point. Only a psychopath or somebody that doesn't care reaches the point that a loss doesn't affect them. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> it means you don't care or you're psychologically ill. Is the only way that it wouldn't affect you. Of course it affects me. Today, when I read the report of who has quit, when I read a report that we've lost a radio station, it still affects me. But it does not affect me at the same level that it did hundreds and hundreds and thousands of events ago, decades ago. You know? And, and all it is is I just realized I'm not going to die from it. And so yeah. I'm going to be okay, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep being who I is, and, and Ramsey's going to keep being who we is, and that's how this is going to work. But, yeah, you, you, if you quit feeling pain from loss, that's weird. I mean, you wouldn't want that. Um, I mean, the only people that don't feel pain from loss are socialists. I mean, you know what? You get a, you get a trophy whether you win or lose. What's the point of the trophy? You know I mean? It's not – I, I want – you know, we had – Daniel and I were, my son and I were talking the other day about this guy was telling us that, um, the kids he was coaching the 13 year old kids on something, they lost the state championship and they were crying. And, uh, in the locker room, these guys, these young, young boys, or young men were crying and the, the guy was all upset. He goes, those kids were crying. And I'm like, well, they lost. They cared. Of course they, they worked all year. They've been practicing in the hot sun. They've been kicking butt and taking names. They 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 wanted the gold ring, baby, and they got they they missed it by one game, being the state champions. Of course, they're upset. Uh, that's a good thing. I don't want them psychologically scarred for life. But if you know, if you're not upset by that, by putting in a huge amount of effort and then still losing, you're weird. You know, that's just dumb. That's where these. You know, the, these socialists, these communists, everybody gets a trophy and everyone should feel no pain and everyone needs a safe place. And if you disagree with me, you're a narcissist who gaslights me. Oh, crud. You know, grow some thick skin, you know, really. And not you, but the rest of those people. But anyway, yeah, I mean, gosh, that's the thing. So that, that, that's the deal. Yeah, you, you're going to feel pain when you lose, if you care. And you're going to want to know how not to have that happen again. That's watching the game films, if you care. So, very good question. I'm honored to have you in the coaching system. honored to have you in the Entree Leadership Podcast audience. You run a very cool business. I like the sound of it. Uh, you got a big old heart, and that big old heart's going to take you a long way. By the way, thoroughbreds all have big hearts. Donkeys got little hearts. This is the Entree Leadership Podcast. We just got back from Summit 2024 in Dallas, and it was absolutely incredible, y'all. If you missed it, you don't want to miss the next one. Me and a few thousand small business leaders are going to Denver next May to hear from John Maxwell, Pat Lincioni, Dr. John Deloney, and many, many more. Plus, for the first time ever, 
We're doing reserved seating. The sooner you lock in your tickets, the better your seats will be. But hundreds of tickets are already gone. So don't wait. Go to entreeleadership.com slash summit to reserve your seats today. Hey, this is the Entree Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Ramsey. If you want to help us out, and we could definitely use your help, by the way, you could do that by subscribing or following this show. Yeah, become someone who automatically gets this thing delivered. That helps with the old algorithms on the internet, pushes us forward, lets people know we're out there. If you like it and you subscribe, it helps us. Thank you. If you like it and you review it and leave five stars, thank you. Leaving one star means you should have been spending your time listening to something else. What's wrong with you? So uh, don't do that. And uh, sharing the show. Share a link. Push the share button if your particular methodology allows you to do that. Let people know we're here. And we appreciate that, too. It helps us. It helps us. It helps us. Tyler is in Nashville. Hey, Tyler, welcome to the Entree Leadership Podcast. Great to speak with you, Dave. You too, man. What's up? Yeah, so I'm CFO of a tiny home community developer here in Tennessee. Did about $13 million in sales last year. And we are looking at starting a 401k program for our employees and just trying to figure out how to roll that out in a way that kind of makes sense for us and isn't going to be something we end up having to pull back later if sales decline or whatever. Mm, okay. Uh, well, there's kind of three layers to this, and I'll give you the one I would do in your situation. Um, number one, when we're done, jump online at RamseySolutions.com, click on Smart Vester and find a Smart Vester Pro in your area that uh, and it might even be the one I personally use since we live in the same neighborhood uh, that that will sit down with you guys and help you put this together. Okay, there's a SEP IRA, which is a simplified employee pension plan. I would not recommend it. It is best for solopreneurs or people with just a couple of employees because whatever percentage the owner puts in of their income, you have to put in the same percentage match for all, or you have to put it in whether they put it in or not, for all employees that have been with you more than two of the last five years. Bad plan for you all, okay? So it, it's too constricting, it's too uh, generous, uh, and it, it's really not designed for a 13-person company. The other end of the spectrum is a 401k for a big company, uh, which will cost you several thousand dollars a year to have an administrator run it to keep it legal. And ever so often you get to do a $10,000 audit on it. Uh, that's what I have with 1,100 team members. I would not recommend that. That's a traditional 401k plan. In that type of a plan, you can decide whether to match or not, how much to match. You can decide if you want to have loans. You can decide all kinds of things and customize the plan. Uh, we don't do loans. We do do a match. Uh, you can decide how long they have to work there before you do the match, all of that. So you can very much fine-tune it, but the expenses of operating it make it prohibitive for a 13-person company, okay? Yeah. Now, the Goldilocks, the one that's in the middle just right, is the simple IRA plan is what it's called. It is a 401k plan for small business. It costs uh, probably $150 a year to operate it. And you can pick, you can put 20, 30 mutual funds, 10 mutual funds in there for them to select from. Um, and uh, the only downside is it is, it's, it's locked in. It's very precise. You have to match 3% 
the first 3% of what someone puts in. If they put in nothing, you don't have to put in anything. But if they put in 3% or more, you have to match the first 3%. That is mandatory. Uh, you don't get to customize that, all of that. All of that's set for you. But it's very inexpensive to operate. We had one here until we got to, we probably kept that till we got 100 employees. And because we couldn't, we couldn't justify the expense of the full blown program until then. But this is, it's, it's basically like 13 little IRAs is what it amounts to, but you get to offer it as a payroll deduct as a 401k. And that's why they call it a simple IRA, but it, it really is 401k for small business. Yeah. And that's what we've been looking at. I think our fear with it is just, I know in previous plans, we've had to hold on that if the employee doesn't roll it over, we're still having to pay the administration fees. Yep, yep. And that's what's kind of made us nervous is if there's a way to kind of, given that we're in construction and all that, we got a lot of turnover of guys that will be here for, you know, nine months, a year, 18 months, and get yep. out of there. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't think you are allowed to require them to withdraw it, but uh, you might be able to put that in the charter. I don't know. You'd have to ask a SmartVestor Pro that helps you put the administrative part, parts together. Uh, I get that concern, but that's really the only one I would know to tell you to do. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm kind I'm kind of stuck. I don't know that there's another option. I, I would not do a defined benefit plan in any circumstances. Uh, doctors, some doctors' offices do those things, and you get it. It's an old-fashioned pension plan, and basically, it's the rich guy running the things, trying to line his pockets, and has to throw throw off some crumbs to the peasants. Uh, is generally how those things are set up, but the, there's so much regulation on them, and so much BS on the investment portfolio. I don't, I don't want anything to do with them. Uh, I've chosen to stay completely away from them. Uh, but so I, I'm a big fan in your situation of that. Yes, it has some problems, has some constraints, um, and of course the other options do nothing. Honestly, you're not competing with big company 401k plans for hiring anyway. If someone's looking for a huge benefits package, they're not working for you. They don't go to work for you. You've got to offer them other reasons to work for you other than corporate benefits that are coming out your ears. You don't have, with 13 people, it makes no sense to have a massive benefits package that costs you a ton of money, 401k being one of the elements. I really would not worry about that. Your brand differentiation for hiring is the quality of the relationships in the organization, the opportunity for growth in the organization, the fact that we actually know your freaking name and stuff like that, you know? It's not your benefits package. You can't compare apples to apples with big company benefits packages. I, I don't want to, and I got 1,100 team members. I don't want to hire. If you want to come here because of the benefits package only, I don't want you. It's not who I want to hire. So... um but you got to decide if you want to offer it at all. If you do, and you might talk to a smart investor pro, they might tell you something better. They might give you a good idea that I hadn't thought of. Hey, man, thank you for calling in. We appreciate you being out there. Hey, guys, remember, better a weary warrior than a quivering critic. Leaders serve. Leaders are active, not passive. Leaders act on principle, not appearances. This world needs more high-quality, high-courage leaders. Choose to lead. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. Thanks for listening to the Entree Leadership Podcast.